G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. So happy that, to have you along for another episode. Today we are chatting about how to raise financially resilient children. What a fantastic topic. Did you know that basically a child's money beliefs are formed, a large part of them are formed by the age of seven? And a large portion of how they form those beliefs is based on what they witness through their parents both a, a comforting and scary fact all, all in one. <laughs> um, we've got a fantastic guest in today to chat about this specific topic and delve right into it. Karen Ely, she's been on the show a few times now and we love getting her back on each time. Her topics are always really, really, well, they're relevant to real life. Yeah, and, and, and today's topic obviously is exactly that. Karen is a financial coach. She runs a company called Women Talking Finance and she delves into the behavioural aspect of money. She touches on that early on in the interview. The areas we touched on in this one, which was just a really, really um, valuable insights she gave us, uh, what does actually a healthy relationship w- with money look like? And particularly relevant given for all of us, if we've had those beliefs formed from the age of seven, well, we've obviously carried beliefs forward in our life. Are all of those beliefs uh, beliefs and behaviours that you want to pass on to your kids or is there some that you would sort of change? Um, how are those behaviours formed? How to talk to your kids about money? Uh, she had a number of insights there. She also let us in on a few of the mistakes, maybe some things not to do. And finally, some really, really solid strategies if you just need to straighten the ship a bit and course correct. Some of the key words that came up time and time again was, you know, giving your kids visibility on money, giving them some autonomy on money, and also showing some of your own vulnerabilities. I won't uh, hold this up any longer. It was an awesome episode, uh, a great chat with Karen. I hope you enjoy it. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. We're here today with Karen Ely. Now, Karen, I, I sort of call her our resident financial coach. She's been on uh, the podcast a few times and it's great to have her back. How are you, Karen? I'm very well, Tim, and thanks for letting me come back on the show again. <laughs> well, I think we agreed you've got to come back on every few months, haven't we? I think we did agree to that. Yeah. Quite happy with that arrangement. Yeah, it's good because I, what I love is you've got always got um, – great specific topics to chat about and today we're going to chat about how to raise financially resilient children. Now I reckon this is going to be a popular one. 
I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but look, for the listeners that don't, now they may not have heard you on previous episodes, just give us a quick insight into you know, what you do as a, as a financial coach. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I was a financial advisor for about 16 years and then transitioned into money coaching. So really, I look at the emotional side of money. So just like there's two sides to a dollar coin, there's two sides to managing our money. One's the external side that traditional financial planners like yourself do around cash flow, budgeting, super, goal setting. And the other is the internal. So it's really our relationship with money, how we think, feel and behave when it comes to our money. So through my business, Women Talking Finance, I um, I help clients and coach clients through that process. Yeah, and I think you get really deep into that because I think, you know, even as a myself as a financial advisor who's really open to this, you know, I, I'm prepared to have some discussions in there, but they're um, some of those behavioural aspects that, you know, it's a very much a trained need to be very trained in that to have those discussions, I think. It is, yeah. So it's it's almost kind of like you go up to the edge of psychology almost. Yeah. So we do delve very deep and we look at some childhood patterns and, and experiences that they had as children that may or may not have been traumatic for them. But what those events done, if they haven't been resolved, they still sit within the, the psyche within your unconsciousness and they can drive your behaviours, um, positive and, and challenging ones. So um, Yeah, which is, plays really interestingly into today's topic because I think we were chatting about the fact that, you know, most a lot of people form these money, their own money habits or their thoughts around money um, at a really early age, by a really early age. So today we're talking about how to impart good habits on our own kids. That's right. Yes. So um, one of the questions I I get quite a lot from my clients is, okay, now that I know this and have this awareness, what should I be doing with my own children to break those cycles that I inherited from my parents, that they inherited from my grandparents and so on through the generations? Yeah, cool. Well, I know from our previous chats, you know, it really is about aligning the money discussion and your behaviours with your purpose and values. Before we go into you know, how we create those good habits for our children, you know, what do you feel a healthy and empowered relationship with money looks like? Yeah, so I believe having a healthy relationship with money is where an individual does align their money with their purpose and their values. Yeah. And they can consciously manage their money in a way that is easy and stress-free. So what I mean by that is they don't have any anxiety resentment, there's no addiction to money or avoidance to it or worry from an internal perspective. And then from an external perspective, a healthy financial life or relationship looks like having low or minimal or at least manageable personal debt. It involves having a financial safety net, whether that be in cash reserves or insurances. It also includes, you know, keeping their spending within their means and monitoring their money. So a healthy relationship with money is no different than having a healthy relationship with a person, be it a spouse, your child or a friend. So Tim, when you're looking at a healthy relationship with these people, what what do you do with them? How do you make it a healthy relationship? Well, I think this is the thing, isn't it? You, I loved what you said about um, feeling easy because I think sometimes when things are 
uncomfortable. It's coming from a, a place of, you know, not the values not aligning. But um, I guess it's something that you've got to just continually work on and, and, and have a real um, thought about how you're turning up. Absolutely. It's how you're showing up. It's spending time with them, investing time. You know, your friends and family, you care about them and you look after them. Our money's no different. You need to spend some time with it, look after it. So, and that involves, you know, like how you said, how you're showing up. It involves having a healthy attitudes and behaviours, you know, to tr- yeah. treat it well. And it also includes having a healthy level of confidence and competence that you're able to make good financial decisions and having that plan or a vision for the future for where you want your life and your money to go. Yeah. And also being confident to talk about money, whether that's with your partner, your family or other people. I think as well, like the confidence is, I always feel is a really big thing because if you know where you want to go but you don't feel confident that you can make that happen, I mean that can be a negative um, momentum but if you know where you want to go and you feel like you've got the tools at your disposal and you're confident you can do it, I mean, it all just starts playing into a good momentum, doesn't it? It does. And that's basically what a healthy financial relationship looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So now you're really going to get out of my league here <laughs> with this discussion. Um, but you know, I know a lot of the work you do is around, um, that's based on neuroscience. And, and study of the brain. Um, tell us about how this plays into the behaviours of, of, of with our kids. Mm. Uh, yes, so you're right. Money coaching does, um, its basis is formed in neuroscience. Yep. And so understanding how our brain works and the different elements of that is really important, especially for parents because it gives us a sense of, okay, this is where my child's development is at and this is how I can support them through that. So there's actually three parts or regions of our brain and they develop over time from birth right up to age 21 for females and 24 for males. So our brain isn't fully developed until around the age of 21 Mm. to 24. So that first part of our brain is our primitive or instinctive brain and it's referred to as the reptilian or primal brain and it's basically wired for survival and desire and that's where we get that fight, flight or freeze responses from. So as a baby, it eats, it needs hugs and sleep. Yeah. You know, that's basically a two-year-old. Uh, and, you know, how does a two-year-old behave? They're kind of you, happy. Are you asking? Yeah, sorry. I was are you asking, asking you. Me? Yeah. Like. Um, well, I guess that they're just focused on they're very much a survival, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. And they're starting to push a few boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a bit curious, a bit adventurous. Yeah, yep. And they're risk takers. So they fall over. They might fall on their butt or their knees, but... What do they do? They just get back up and try yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a two-year-old. So then the big people in their lives, like parents, grandparents, teachers, they're the ones that teach children fear. Don't do that. You'll hurt yourself. Yeah. Why did you do that? That was really naughty. So we learn guilt and shame um, from our from our big people, from our adults. But these um, these emotions get stored 
and it gets programmed into the emotional part of our brain, which is the second part of our brain to form, and it's referred to as the limbic system. So the limbic system, or I, I refer to as the emotional brain, holds and maintains our history and memories. So it's largely an archive of our childhoods, um, emotions and memories, and most of it is unconscious. And so what I mean by that is we're unaware of what's stored there. Yeah, in a a conscious sense. That's right. Yeah, we're not conscious to it. It gets stored there. So um, it's, you know, our brain is like a computer, more powerful than anyone ever built, and it comes loaded with like a software or operating system. And as we live and experience our family of origin, the brain's child, or sorry, the child's brain is like a recording device. And um, the thing is, for a five-year-old, it doesn't really know what it's recording and it doesn't yeah. have the capacity, yeah, to make sense of that information or fully understand it. I think, like, it would it be true to say, um, you know, I know when, say, my brother or sister, they might remind me of a, a time we had as kids or something that wasn't that enjoyable, Um you, you you don't actually really remember it, as you say, mm. but uh, but a feeling comes back. It's like I remember that feeling. Yeah. Or like it's like the discussion of it. Um, and I think that's what I sort of think of when you think it's of something having something stored that you're not exactly sure what you've got stored in there, but you've got stored certainly feelings attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. And so when I'm working with people and they can't remember some of those things, there's normally a trauma attached to it, Tim. So if you can't remember something, there's some kind of, and, you know, when I say trauma, it could be a big trauma or a little trauma. It could be something like left being left to cry or, you know, losing 30 cents. But for a five-year-old, depending on the emotions around that and if they weren't processed, so if you heard from mum or dad, oh, look, Tim, stop crying, get over it, go to your yeah. room, we, we learn to bury our emotions. But they still get hardwired into our brain. Mm. And we don't have the resources or the brain capacity to actually know what to do with this information or how to process it. But it gets stored there. And it comes out later in life um, through, uh, you know, emotional triggers and behaviours and patterns. So as young kids, you know, we're basically energetic sponges absorbing our environment. So if you grew up in a family where there was stress or fears or perhaps excitement or financial loss or financial gains, struggles or abundance, all these emotions surrounding that child are getting hardwired and patterned into their brain. And it's really interesting when you talk about this in relation to money because I know when we have some clients turn up, they might actually say to us, you know, as a, as a kid we didn't have much money or something. So that's why I've always been really, you know, they're really detailed on their money and mm. um, maybe to the point of being a bit too um, hardcore about it. And then you could get equally someone who had the same situation who's just followed the same path and been... You know, we didn't have much money and oh, I've got no, not much money either because I just kept going with what I was taught. That's right. So we unconsciously inherit patterns and behaviours from our yeah. parents. They're our role models. And as children, we learn what we live. So in a healthy environment, that's really good. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. 
But if you grew up in poverty or you grew up with mixed uh, mixed messages, so you might have had a mother who was really frugal and a good money manager, but then a father that was perhaps a bit disengaged, he earned the money but he spent it all. There's some real conflicts there. You know, how does a child process that? You've got you're just getting those mixed messages. And the more extreme those behaviours, the more challenging it is for the client later in life. So obviously that paints the picture of, you know, we've all got our own probably behaviours that we, we've we learnt in our lives. Uh, but for people that are parents, they're now wanting to create those that good environment that you're talking about and the good habits for their kids. So how do we help children cultivate financially resilient adults? Yeah, um, great question. So... A child's money beliefs are basically formed by the age of seven but can go up to age 12. Yeah. So for parents with young children, there's a lot you can do. So one of the things that we do want to do as parents is explain the concept of money at age-appropriate levels. So, you know, um, the, the concept of money is almost like an assumed thing. I know when I was growing up, Tim, no one sat down and explained to me, well, Money's just a tool. You you go yeah. to work, you earn the money, and then you use that money. It was never explained to me like no. that. <laughs> I don't know if you had that explanation about what money is. It's just kind of you observe it, and then as a child with your own immature um, functioning, you make it mean certain things. Yeah, and no, I think as well, um, without going off off the track here, the one thing that I do remember is we. I'm probably showing my age here, but um, one of the things we used to do with my mum quite often on a Friday um, after school is that she'd race race down with us. She'd pick us up from school and we'd end up going to the bank because they'd have to get the money out for the weekend. This is before you know, ATMs and that sort of thing. Um, and there's no doubt that when you were with your parents in shops and that, you'd see what colour notes got handed over the counter and all that sort of thing. So you, that's, I guess, where, what you're talking about is no one really said, oh, look, we're in a shop and that good costs a lot of money. You start looking like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that colour note for a while. Uh, that must be expensive. Um, whereas the cheap things, you know, was the the notes that we all saw all the time. Yeah, that's right, the $1 and $2 notes <laughs> yeah, for those listeners right. that remember those. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't always coins. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So explaining clients uh, concepts about money is really important for children. Yeah. But we also want to teach our children about the inner and outer workings of money. So we want to tell them about the inner part of money. So it's not something that you need to fear or have anxiety around that. It's there for freedom or the messages that you want to give a child about money on the internal, how you relate to it. And what we really want to be able to do is communicate to children that the amount of money that you have or don't have has nothing to do with your worth as a child or as an adult because the child needs to know that they're enough and they are loved regardless of what, they have or don't have. Yeah. We don't want children attaching their net worth with their self-worth. So it's that inner part that we want to explain to a child as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think um, even as 
adults. I mean, we we have a, a lot of discussions. Um, we've actually, in our business, stood very much for you know, money is the vehicle that helps you live the life you want. So um, I know that there's some personalities that wouldn't agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's they want right. They just keep making money because they love money and money mm-hmm. makes them feel good or whatever. Um so it is very much a values-based thing, isn't it? It is. And and I love those healthy messages that you communicate because that's about being happy and content and fulfilled on the inside, whereas the latter that you're talking about, having as much money as you can and just keep getting more, that's looking for external fulfilment. Yeah. So we're never going to have enough when we don't believe we're enough. We're always going to be wanting more. So obviously... If we're talking to kids about money, I mean, values, some of those values would, would be a good starting point, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So as individuals, we all have our own values. You may or may not be aware of what they are. So going through a values exercise to actually understand what your own values are, but then as a family, creating your own values and let the children participate and be involved in that. So as a family, this is what we value. We might value spending time together and having quality time for holidays. We might value nice cars and nice houses, you know, without judgment. would yeah. it's, it's about you and your family creating what is valuable to you and then directing your money in that direction of those values because that's where you're going to get the best fulfilment. Yeah, yeah. And I think another um, lesson that's really important for children, for resilient children, is to not compare yourself to others, to run your own race. So my children both do athletics and I really love that as a sport because it's not about winning or losing, it's about measuring yourself against your last results and improving. So I really love that whole philosophy around not comparing yourself to everyone else but just comparing yourself to to you and your goals and your values. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Um, I'll just tell you, relay a funny story. Just made me think of it when you're talking about um, teaching the kids about you know um, the amounts and and the value of things. Um, we didn't really intend to do it for any reason but to involve our daughter. But when we went to the US a couple of years ago, she was probably around oh, eleven or twelve then. And we decided we were going to go to Disneyland. And, of course, you know, that, that's just like, oh, we should just stay in the in the hotel in Disneyland and all that sort of thing. So we're sort of explaining, well, it does cost money and that sort of thing. Um, so we ended up saying, look, we're not going to stay in, but you, if you want, you can do some research on which hotel we're going to stay in, you know, just nearby Disneyland. And we go. I just said, you know, we're looking for about this much per per night. And she she was googling, and it went on for days. She was going, these these hotels are rip off. This all of a sudden, she was really invested in it, and it was it was actually quite cool. I think the travel agent thought I was mad because um, I was saying, look, we want to try and stay in this if it's any good because my daughter's chosen it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But can you just tell me if it's a dump or something, we won't stay in it? But I said, no, that's no, not a bad one. And when we got there, she was excited because she'd actually chosen it 
and she actually did get a bit hardcore herself on shopping for um, good value. So that was that was a funny one. That's such a wonderful lesson, and I think one of those things that is really important for children is to give them some autonomy and make them feel like yeah. they can contribute. So I think that's such a wonderful experience that you gave your daughter not only to take her to Disneyland, but to be involved in some of those decisions in the planning. Mm. I, I think it was something that we we sort of you know stumbled on doing it we just came up with a on the run idea but it's something I reckon we'd do again for sure yeah absolutely I think that's a great one another one that's really important for parents is letting your children be comfortable expressing their emotions so as I said before you know we're often taught to bury them rather than actually feel them acknowledge them name them and process them so it's really important that we give children the space to be able to sit and process their emotions especially when it comes to money because if we don't they'll come out later in life yeah so it's much better to name them and and just have some empathy and just knowledge that it's okay Um, that you're sad about that or that you're angry that your sister got this and you didn't just just tell me about it let's let's actually unpack it a little bit for you well what about I'm I'm imagining it as kids it's going to mainly be that isn't it it's it's about what I didn't get or what you won't let me have because you say it's too much or Mm. or whatever that's right I was talking to uh, someone today about Christmas presents and one of their early memories around money was that my little brother was getting all of these presents and I only got two, you know, at the age of seven. And his mum explained to him years later that, well, those two presents cost a lot more than the seven presents that your brother got. (laughs) But as a seven-year-old, you don't understand that. You just see I'm getting two presents and my brother's getting seven presents and he must be loved more than me. (laughs) Yeah. So... It's about letting the child express themselves because quite often from that immature brain that they've got, they don't fully understand. So the more that we can encourage our children to talk to us about what's going on internally for them, yeah, we're going to um, clarify some misunderstandings that they might have. So I guess, yeah, it's teaching some of that gratitude but not just being dismissive about it. Absolutely. Just to have the... Yep. The discussion. Absolutely. I mean, I think as parents, we all know it can just get to the stage where you go, <laughs> I have explained that pretty well now. So, yeah, I've had enough. To, go to your room. You just need to suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can pay for the therapy later, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else on, you know, the way we can be talking to kids there? So you're very much around values. Yeah. Explain the concept of needs versus wants. So as human beings, we have basic needs. We need housing, food, transport. Uh, I think people in today would say Wi-Fi is an essential need as well. So we talk about those things that we need. So we need to have money for those. But then the difference of wants. So sometimes kids want stuff, but they don't really need things. Yeah. So we just want to explain the difference to them and how we allocate our money accordingly to whether they're wants or needs and having a balance of both, but not too much of one or not the other. Yep, cool. Mm. Um, I really like the idea of um, using money as a you know basic form of maths. I think you, you mentioned that as well. Yes, that's right. So when we're explaining and talking about 
money to children, yeah, just keep it basic. It's always going to be age appropriate. So the yeah. way that you would talk to a child who's four-year-old would be very different to your 12-year-old helping you find out, um, you know, the best deals on accommodation. Yeah, and I, I think even the, the thing that kids can start to understand, I, I feel like um, we've all been told as kids, oh, look, you don't understand how much all of this costs or you don't understand what bills cost. Um, even just being able to elaborate on that a little bit and say, well, you know, say to you, saying to your kids, well, roughly we earn this amount and if we add all these things up, then if we run out of money, we won't have enough money for these other things. I think the kids will start to understand that if they're things that they value. Yeah, that's right. I think that's a great strategy. The only thing we need to be mindful of is we never want a child feeling financially um, unsecure. So we never want to have that messaging of we don't have enough money for that. <laughs> yeah, right. the, the message should be more around we choose to use our money for this. So yes. you don't want to be saying, well, there's there's not enough money left. We, we can't do that. Well, we can. We could sell the car. We could sell the house and we could buy that. We could afford yeah. that, but we choose not to. So it's, it's about going back to what we spend our money on. Um, but we really want to avoid those messages, those negative messages of we don't have enough or there's not enough for that. Just could be really careful yeah. about the language we use. I guess as well, um, there's also that element of as they get older, which you just mentioned, having you're going to have two different discussions based on however old the, the child is, but uh, being prepared to gradually progress those discussions as you go, as they get older. Yeah, that's right. So you might start with the basic forms of maths and show them on their bank account, well, here's five cents interest that you've earned for the year. Um, but as they get older, you can explain the concept of compound interest and how that works. So yeah. it's always got to be um, age appropriate for them. I think as well with technology now, it's pretty cool because, um, you know, going back to our past, if we had money, it might have been put in the bank for us or whatever. Um, we might have had a bank book. Not that exciting, <laughs> getting the bank book stamped once a week. But... Um, I guess kids now, they've got devices. Um, you know, we've set up a little um, investment where um, my daughter can, if she gets given money, we can put some in there, but she can actually see it. She can see it going up. So it's something she can engage with in her world, which is on her device. And so that's good. Yeah, absolutely. We really want to make money visible. Yeah. Rather than invisible. And I think now with a cashless society, you can just flick your phone at the supermarket and they, they don't actually see the money coming in and out. No, so that's right. My children are only nine and 11, and I still physically take them down to the bank and they take their money in there and bank some of their pocket money in there. Yeah, so, so that's just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think one, one of the things we had set up, it's not to recommend anything, obviously, but uh, with our own bank, I went down, took Charlotte, my daughter, down there and they said, oh, yeah, we can set up a little um, login for her. It's sort of attached to our accounts. And so she can actually see her balance. She can't transact um, and her mum's got to um, top up 
into her account if she wants to spend some money on that. But at least she feels like she can see what's going on and, and she's engaging with it on her device, which is good. Oh, I think it's fantastic. It's about, yeah, engaging with it, making it mm. visible and making it a regular thing that she does, almost like a ritual. Yeah. It's like, okay, every couple of weeks I'm just going to pop in and see how much it's grown or what put in so there. So it's probably giving the bank a wrap because we don't often give them a wrap at that much. <laughs> but that was, um, that was a good experience down there. Um, and I think talking about the banks, I know when I was a child, you know, banks were fantastic. They were out yeah. there in the community. They had that education role and function and we had our school banking and our passports and all those things. And I think somewhere along the track they lost their way. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. We got, they'd give you the free money boxes and right. all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, all right, well, there's some of the great. Uh, ways we can be chatting to kids about and, and educating them. What what are um, some of the things that you think we shouldn't do? Mm, okay. Or what are the things you see? Yes. So these are coming from a place of when I'm working with clients and I can see some of the things that parents did that have um, caused challenges for the yeah. child later on in life. So, and I think this is this is a big challenging one. It's about using money as a reward reinforcement. So if we think about it, money is now a core survival need because we need it to pay for food, for shelter, for transport. But that's only been as a human species the last few hundred years because before that we Mm. used to grow our own food, build our own houses. So when this concept of money is seen as needed to survive, but we make it into a reward for getting kids to do what we want them to do, it's a bit of a flawed system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going off on the tangent with um, all these different stories I've got. Sorry, I hadn't planned to, but I'll tell you a classic one. It really did my head in because I had a, oh, hopefully she might, doesn't listen to this podcast, but one of the mums from, um, all the kids were great with basketball, but when we while I was coaching basketball, one of the, and we're really encouraging the, the team aspect um, of, of passing to each other before we got it into a good spot to shoot. And the kids were pretty young then. But one, and I could not get one of these kids to pass. So I kept shooting. And and then I, I realised that the mum had said she'd give her a buck for every goal she got. <laughs> and so I had to go to the mum and say, look, we're trying to get him to pass. <laughs> Can you take that reward away, please? <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's what you're talking about. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, since you're talking about school parents, you know, another one that I see often is getting paid for good grades. So I, yes, that's a big one. Yeah, that is a big one. So you get an A, you'll get $50. Um, whereas really it should, I think it should be more about, well, it's it's not about the grade, but what about the effort you put in? Yeah, the effort. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, so that um, using money as a reward reinforcement and, you know, I get it. I'm a mum. I'm a parent. Sometimes you just need to get your kids to do something to get yeah. on with life. And so um, but it is, it is flawed. Especially if you had multiple kids and one found school pretty easy and could just breeze through their grades and the other one might be working really hard but not quite getting those same grades. I mean, yeah, that's it, where you talk about the effort. That's right, yeah, and that is really challenging because at the end of the day, as I said before, we all want our children growing up to know that, to really deeply know that they are enough, 
that they are loved just for being themselves, not for what they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most important thing. But we're talking about mistakes, aren't we? So um, mistake number two would be having your child meet your unmet needs as a child. So how could this be playing out? So you're having your child live the life that you wanted to have. So perhaps encouraging a child to move into a career choice, you know, based on what you want them to do, but then they're Uh, hating their job. I was talking to an accountant this morning and she's in her 30s and she said, she goes, I had no choice but to be an accountant. I don't love it, but I didn't have a choice. That's what my dad was an accountant, so I had to be an accountant. And I could see it in her face. She just really had no passion for that job. And then you think about doing something you like to get money. Um, Yeah. So I guess this is where you're talking, you know, we've been having a lot of conversations here around probably those younger kids. And you mentioned about the maturity of 21 and 24 earlier. I guess this is where we're now talking about young adults um, and moving into their own decisions and as adults. Mm. So, yeah, not having that undue influence, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Letting them make their own choices mm. around that. Um, some parents can use money as a form of control or manipulation, um, which isn't very nice. And... I often see that play out with um, separated couples yeah. and parents and, you know, just I'll buy this or you do this and you'll get that. Um, yeah. Uh, another one that's really, really challenging for children is when you've got two parents and they have very different behaviours or very different values yeah. as to how they see money being spent. Because if you think of a five-year-old she sees mum doing one thing but dad doing something completely different. Creates a lot of confusion and conflict in the child. And I wonder as well if the parents aren't aligned on some things too. You know, like if one, one party's an easier easier to get out for money than than the other. Yeah, that's right. And kids are really kids crafty. Oh, quick. yeah, they are very, very crafty. One of the things that I ask clients is, Who did you go to to have your emotional needs met? And then another question, my next question is, who did you go to to have your financial needs met? (laughs) Because kids figure it out pretty quickly who to go to. (laughs) Very interesting. So as parents, you want to be on the same page with that because whilst we can can laugh about it and whilst we can observe it, uh, it does create a lot of challenges and conflict for a child. Um. That we want to avoid. Well, I guess as well, um, if we're without getting too deep on it, is if you're in a in a, a couple relationship, um, you're really also helping your child see they're observing how that should operate for the future. Because I mean, we we've got quite a few podcasts coming up, and we've done previous ones on things like financial abuse and. And things like that where people end up getting in a situation where they've got no control of money Mm. because they're just their relationships like that. Um, So you want to, I sort of feel like for our kids, we want to help them observe um, how as a, as a partnership, you know, we, we operate. Yeah, absolutely, because, uh, you know, quite often a child will experience, well, mum just had to do what dad told her to do. 
because he was the one that went out earning all the money and she was staying at home looking after us. Yeah. Uh, and and I use that not to stereotype because I see it the other way around too. I see the the woman as a breadwinner and yeah. and the husband sort of just doing what he's told or given an allowance and he was allowed to have a couple of hundred bucks a month and that's all he had and <laughs> mum managed the rest yeah. of the money. So you want to have that balance and it's about creating equal responsibility as a team rather than one person sharing the whole responsibility or in some cases the burden because that can I agree, to yeah. And, and I even think that with clients when we're doing financial advice, if one party is running the show and there's not a lot of buy-in from the other party, um, it's, it's sort of got a limited, you know, we talked about the momentum before. I, I feel f- to get maximum momentum with what you're doing, everyone's got to be involved emotionally and and in action as well. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, it's, you know, a teamwork, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right. So I'd love to get your view on oh, pocket money because uh-huh. we were talking about the reward component before, but pocket money in the right direction, I'm imagining, could be a, po- a positive. Yeah, absolutely, because it allows a child to learn about the concept of money. So I think pocket money is a healthy thing for children to have, yeah. for parents to give to children, because it can be really a vehicle for them to learn how to make their own financial choices and give them a sense of autonomy. Yeah. So as parents, we go to work and we get paid money for the time. And I kind of communicate to my children that, you know, in our family, there's things that, you know, you're part of a team. So we all want to um, pitch in and do a bit of teamwork. Um, you know, I pay for your food and shelter and clothing. So I also want to give you a little bit of money, of your own money, until you're old enough to earn some. Um, and if they want to, they can earn more than that by doing extra chores, but it's it's not mandatory. It's just something that they can do. Yeah. And then with that money, I give them boundaries and healthy messages, but what's most important is it give them some autonomy and choice. Yeah, I, I think so too. Don't you think as well, I mean... Um, your kids are just slightly younger than, than my daughter, but um, of course you don't want them to make a huge mistake with spending their money. But the odd mistake is healthy too, I think, because you know we might sort of say, "Look, it doesn't seem like it's a great thing to buy or whatever," and you might have that conversation a few times. But if it's something they want and it's it's appropriate. Um, it's okay, well, you, you choose. And I think sometimes it's good for them to go, you know what, it was a waste of money mm. and learn that lesson. Yeah, it's better to learn at um, 10 years old than it is in your yeah. 30s. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm. And yeah. So next time when they're faced with that, I mean, they've got that, to, you know, just a, a, that feeling to fall back on. It's like I wasted my money like that last time. It wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and so they, they can learn from those lessons. And it yeah. might be helping them, you know, teach them about goal settings. Like, okay, I, I want this thing that's $50. It might take me a couple of months to save up for it. So it could be, well, what's the best way to do that? So have some money for today, have some for future things. Um, you can also bring in the concept of giving to others for charity. Um, yeah. There's lots of lessons that you can learn through pocket money. But we, what we don't want to teach them is that they're told what to do with their money. We want to yeah. give them some authority within healthy boundaries. 
Um, what about the concept? I know um, I, I hear this a bit as well. If you can save this amount, we'll yeah, we'll give you some as well or whatever to put to their goal. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've heard of that concept as well. So I guess it's all around how you communicate that and, you know, it might be something like you know, if it's a car or something like that, well, we, we want to help you have that because having the car is going to help us as well. We won't be, you know, driving you around. So, yeah, it really comes down to the language and, and what you're doing. And, yeah, look, at the end of the day, for some kids it's going to give them the incentive to save up harder and for others it's not going to do anything at all so I look at my two children Tim and I've only obviously come to this work over the last couple of years so my children are 9 11 so a lot of their habits and patterns were formed before I came on this so I'm kind of on a course correction now (laughs) with my kids with some of the unhealthy patterns that they've developed and and I can see both of my children already at these ages they have absolutely formed their patterns and behaviors around money so my eldest my 11 year old he just saves and hoards all of his money he doesn't enjoy it at all it's very much like his dad he won't listen but (laughs) 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 just you know money's there to be saved and and uh, and not spent or not enjoyed it's just be there to be put away for the future and he's very much like that yeah and then his little brother the nine-year-old he's like as soon as he's got it, it's like it's burning a hole in his fingers yeah, and he's yeah. just got to get rid of it. So, you know, at the moment, I only know because my, my eldest counts his money all the time. <laughs> uh, he's got about $140. And um, and I said, oh, Angus, how much have you got? And he, I think he had $3. It's like, well, where's your money? Go, I don't know. Just toys. Yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. <laughs> That's right. Well, when you were sort of saying then, that you, you've sort of felt like you're course correcting, um, you know, that maybe plays into what are some of the strategies if someone did think that they needed to do some course correcting or maybe just some good solid strategies. Um, just hit us with some, you know, a bit of a, a list of, of those things that were sort of covered, I guess, but, um, you know, to help people just streamline what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So my biggest one that I've had to learn and teach my children is we get put up on pedestals. You know, children look up to us with their role models. I think it's really important to communicate that as adults we make mistakes as well. So it's about owning that. And I never really did that. I was kind of I can never be wrong. Um, I'm the parent. I'm the leader. Um, But I think there's some real value in saying to your kids look I made mistakes too and yes we might have done it this way before but I realized that that wasn't the healthiest thing to do and going forward we're going to do things this way or let's have a talk about how we could do things differently so yeah yeah so a bit of vulnerability that's right yeah um the second one is about having healthy money messages so we just want to be really careful about children feeling like they're financially secure, like there is enough money. And if you're in a situation where you don't have enough money and it is insecure, you don't want that energy to be absorbed by children. That's that's not their place to have that. You don't want them having that burden. When when I mentioned that earlier, uh, you know, and we we could throw that as a throwaway line, couldn't Mm. we? There won't be enough money. Mm. So what does that mean? You, As you said earlier too, what does that mean to a child? They're trying to put all this in perspective. Yeah, Does it that's mean right. We're going to be broke. Does it mean yeah. we're going to be have no food? 
Mm. Um, yeah, we might exaggerate just in a moment. Yeah, but that's right. But it's about, uh, and if it is just that, you know, in the moment, very, you know, unconscious about it, that won't matter. But if it's a message that a child hears over and over again, every time we go to the shops, no, we don't have money for that. Yeah. That can, that repeated um, can really get hardwired um, for the child. So it's, it's very much about the language that we use. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. How many people heard that one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't want to hear that new, no. that one again. <laughs> Ever again. No. That's right. So um, another one is about yep making money visible. So you know there's you know different apps like Spriggy. Not that I'm recommending that, but there's lots of different tools and things that um, you can help chi- children understand um, and empower them so they can take charge of their own money and and build. Confidence. Yeah, I think that with technology now, that's that's awesome mm. and probably a good place to start is with your bank. Yep. You know, if you bank there. And your kid's old enough to maybe have some sort of banking setup. Um, yeah, I think a lot of them have really um, done a good job on that now. Mm. And you know, there's also money boxes too. So my kids have got yeah. money boxes, and and I've seen them. You can buy them online. There's money boxes that are split into three containers. So you've got like um, a save, a spend, and a give, or something like that. Yeah, so that, you can allocate it like the the bucket strategies. They're quite good though. Yeah. So um, just making it visible um, when they're old enough, you know, encourage them to earn their own money if they want to, or give them the opportunities to earn yep. more money by doing odd jobs around the house, and encourage them bring out the entrepreneurial spirit probably you know, puts a bit of value on it doesn't it yeah that's right and you think about it, you know children have got amazing imagination so we don't want to stifle that if they've got that entrepreneurial spirit about them really yeah. encourage that you know dog walking or a lemonade stand or just <laughs> yeah. anything like that uh, another one is what we've spoken about already so very very much around values-based spending so what are our values and how can we direct our money to those values yeah. Um, the needs versus uh, wants. I think another important thing for parents to communicate um, and live as um, as a behaviour is expressing gratitude. So, you know, we live in a very consumeristic society where, you know, we're being constantly bombarded with messages about buy this, have this, have that lifestyle. And so yes, we can sure. succumb to overspending. Yeah. Uh, so we want to encourage children to be really content and grateful for what they have first before, you know, having those desire for other material things. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, they they bring a lot of dissatisfaction when you can't have those things. We just want to be really grateful for what we have. Um, another important one is setting financial goals. So let kids set their own financial goals. Like you might want to save up for a fishing rod or whatever it is that they want. So, um, you know, depending on how old the kids are, you know, we used to do like little vision boards and have like colouring in goals where they needed to save $40, you know, they'd set up them in yeah. $2 increments and colour it in. So it's really, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's really age appropriate. We might be cutting out images from magazines that they can put up. Um, so we, I, I, I even think as well with, with what we're talking about with making, well, the form of making money visible and also not not so much the vulnerability, but I think involving or oh, we don't have a problem to some degree, not every minute detail, but involving our daughter in her own family goals. It's like this is what we want to do in the future. This is what, what we're thinking of doing in a couple of years. So just so they're aware of, oh, so 
you've got to plan for these things. You've got to think about what you're doing. It just doesn't, you know, renovation on the, the back of the house just doesn't turn up sort of thing. It mm. takes effort, takes thought. Uh, I think those things are important. Yeah, that's right because at the end of the day, we've still got a very large primitive or instinctual part of our brain and so it's very much wired for survival so there is no long term you know life expectancy of a primitive yeah. cave person was 20 years old so it was just like kill eat sleep next there was no long-term planning so we've got to um, train our brain to um, do something that's not natural to override those instinctual pools of yeah. having money that's just for today we want to um, teach children to set future goals as well yeah, beautiful. Hmm. So, well, I'll tell you what, that has been a a very, very good, or each of those sections was really valuable. Uh, I've got no doubt that uh, people will really um, enjoy those. I certainly did. Um, is there anything you'd sort of like to share, Karen, as a bit of inspiration to our listeners? Yeah, I guess as a parting message, we all talk about financial literacy. The key to having a healthy yeah. relationship is financial literacy, the knowledge. I don't think it is just the literacy and knowledge. It's those patterns and behaviours and they are set early on. So as parents, the best gift we can give our children is to be really good role models because the kids are absorbing those energies and messages and language. So even if you're telling them to do one thing, they're actually going yeah. to do what they see. What they see. Yeah. yeah, that's a really, really good <laughs> finishing point. We nearly could have just done the whole thing just on that sentence, I <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, that's great, Karen. Thanks for stopping by. Now, before you do go, um, I'm going to throw you on the spot here because just before we jumped on for this recording, you were mentioning that you – do you mind if I mention this? No, uh, no, That no, you're going to do a bit of a module program in 2022 around this. Yeah, that's right. So I think it's really important uh, for parents to be able to have those skills. And for most of us, we weren't taught how to manage our own money from our own parents in most cases, um, let alone um, parenting around with that financial lens. So putting together a program, four modules, uh, five modules maybe, just to help parents equip them with all the strategies and communications and tools so they can be a healthy role model and create really financially resilient children. So would they be? They'll like be live a... classes. So they'll be oh, on cool. Zoom. So it'll be live classes. They'll be homework before and after each class. <laughs> um, but it'll be very interactive. So you can come with your own um, case studies, your own experiences about how you were raised and perhaps how, um, yeah, you're, you've raised your children to date and, and if there's there any course correction or perhaps some more healthy messaging and strategies to put in place. So. Well, we'll definitely let our listeners know when that comes out up. Um, also, just we'll also put your website into the show notes of, of the podcast, but do you want to just mention the website? Yes. So thanks, Tim. My website is womentalkingfinance.com.au and so there is a blog area. So the um, I think there's eight bullet points or strategies of how you can help, you know, raise financially resilient children. So if, um, if you miss some of those, you can go and have a read there, definitely. Um, awesome. Yeah, well, it's a great time of year coming to the end of the year and I think um, 
having a, a few plans like that for the start of the year it, it will be great, I think. Yeah, that's right. You can sort of start your family goal setting and what you yeah. want to achieve with your money. January is always a good time for that, news resolutions and all that stuff. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Karen. Pleasure, Tim. Thank you for having we'll me again. We'll see you in 2022. That's it. Sure will. All right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Tim. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Karen. I I did. Um, So many things in there to take away. I really loved um, the concept of making money visible. Uh, I think it's really important for kids. And particularly um, setting financial goals as well. And I think involving just even letting kids know on about what you're doing in your own life. And as Karen says, um, they really will learn those habits from you. I was really interested that Karen's um, going to start that those modules. I think that's a fantastic um, resource. She's going to have those up and going in 2022. So we'll certainly let you know once they're up and going. We've got uh, the links to Karen's website in in the show notes to this podcast. So if you're wanting to have a look there and keep an eye out for it yourself. And I also popped, um, Karen had a, a blog on this exact to- topic as well. And um, I've, I've got the link to the to that in the show notes too. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.